Well, we are at the last Sunday in November. Can you believe that? The last Sunday in November. I mean, this week begins December. It seems like 2016 just started. And here we are staring 2017 right in the face. Uh, we are anticipating its arrival. And that's what we want to talk about today. And that's what really we're going to focus on through the month of December is this word that Tim mentioned just a few minutes ago, this word Advent. You know, we all, we all anticipate the arrival of, of good things. Now, then, sometimes we anticipate the arrival of bad things. You anticipate bad news, that kind of thing. I don't want to talk about that, okay? I'm not going to talk about that at all because that's not what this is about. I want to talk about anticipating good things. Everybody okay with that? Good. Because we all, we anticipate, we anticipate good things. You know, think about if you, if you have children, think about what that was like as you anticipated the birth of, of that child. And while those months can be pretty miserable for the, the mother to be, you know, she's usually willing to, to go through that. She's willing to, to experience that because she's anticipating the arrival of that child. She's anticipating knowing that life is going to change. It's going to be different. And yes, it might be hard, not might be. It will be harder, okay? It will be harder, but it's worth it because, because children are, are worth, worth the risk. Okay, and so you anticipate that. You know, I remember as, as we were anticipating Jackson being born, you know, eight years ago, it was such an exciting time. And yeah, she didn't feel great all the time, but we anticipated that. As Miles was born four years ago, you know, we anticipated that. Okay, and so during Bethany's pregnancies, there's like a year and a half worth of buildup where you're just waiting and you're excited and you're praying and you're anticipating the arrival of those children. And then both, you know, both our boys were born, and, and, and what an incredible blessing to us they have been. But we anticipate things like that. But if it's not that, it could be that you know, you're anticipating, especially as we move into the holiday season, you're anticipating visiting with somebody that you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it's a, a friend, or maybe it's your relatives. Your relatives have come in town, and you've, you are anticipating them being here. And I'm sure this is not Tim's case, but you might be anticipating them going back where they came from. You know, because, you know, you know it's just kind of the way it is sometimes. But we anticipate, we anticipate people coming to see us, people we've not seen in a while. We enjoy seeing them, Okay. But it might be that you're at that stage in your life, and I know we have two or three that are at this point where you are anticipating that day where you punch in for the last time. You know, you're anticipating that retirement. You're not there yet. You might have, you know, five years left, but you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, you're starting to think about it. You're starting to think about, oh, what am I going to do? Nothing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to rest. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to spoil the grandchildren. I'm going to create a list for my husband a mile long, and he's going to have to do it. You know, but you're anticipating those kinds of things. You know, and we anticipate those kinds of, we anticipate those kinds of, uh, of times. You know, we're looking forward to travel. We anticipate the freedom to be able to go and to, to do those things. But you know, to a kid, probably... There is nothing more anticipated than the coming of Christmas. Now get an amen. 
Do you remember that? Now then, I don't really we don't have any small ones in here because they're all in children's church. But if they were here, they would probably give us a resounding oh yeah. So let's just do it for them. Can we not agree that that's the most anticipated holiday for children? Oh yeah, oh, yeah that is. They look forward to Christmas. And I remember it as a kid. Okay, I remember that every year we would get the Sears catalog. The wish book. You remember that thing? This is from 1944 right here. We would get, and remember, you know, it was that high gloss paper and all the scenes were set up. Go to that next slide. You'd have the scenes set up. You know, that's G.I. Joe. That's from when I was a kid back in the 80s. And so you'd look at them and, you know, it would just draw you in and you wanted everything that was in that catalog it was thick you remember it and you'd get it and you'd fight over it and you'd take a pen and you'd circle the things you want and you'd write your name by it and then you'd go through it later and you'd find everything your brothers circled and you'd scratch it out and you'd flip over to the girls section and circle a doll I still got a lot of those dolls you know <laughs> I still got a ton of those dolls I'm not sure how to offload them but you know that's what you did because we anticipated Christmas, did we not? We anticipated its arrival. And probably the toughest time for me was on Christmas Eve after we would leave my grandparents' house. We'd go over there probably around 6 p.m. and we'd have dinner and uh, uh, aunts and uncles and cousins would be there. And, you know, that was an anticipated time because usually that was a time where we saw our cousins who lived in Texas and they only got to come home uh, they only got to come back to Georgia for Christmas, and so we were anticipating that time with them. But then we'd, we'd exchange gifts there, and then it was time to go home. Okay, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, go home and get in the bed. And that was always the worst time as a kid. Okay, because you've got to go home and go to bed. You remember that? Which is like slow torture to a child. Because you know what's coming in the morning, and at the same, and you're so excited, you can't go to sleep. But at the same time, you know if you don't go to sleep, Santa Claus is going to skip over your house. Okay, so you're living in this fear, and you run through this range of emotions on on Christmas Eve, and that was always that was always the toughest time for me as I was was trying to to go to sleep. And so now, here we are. Here we are, and this time, this, this Christmas season is upon us again. And so we begin preparing, and they've been playing Christmas music, some of you, since before Halloween. I'm not really looking at anybody specific. Maybe. But she might or might not be sitting right in this general area. But we prepare for it. We prepare for Christmas, and you know what it's like. It's this rush and rush and rush and busy and the, the shopping and the commercialism and all that. Now then, who did Black Friday shopping this year? Raise your hand. Black Friday shopping? Only that row? Are you kidding me? Some of you are not telling the truth. Come on now. Who did some Black Friday shopping? Okay, there's one more in the back. The rest of you will have reserved seating up in just a few minutes. Uh, yeah, okay. But we, we had kind of an interesting thing this year. Uh, we, we took... Um, two of our four or five adopted students to Thanksgiving with us. And they are both uh, international students. Uh, one is from France and the other one is from Bolivia. And, and they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in their countries. And so they had never experienced a Thanksgiving before. 
And then, you know, as always happens after Thanksgiving, what comes out are the, uh, the, uh, the newspapers, you know, that have all the coupons, that have all the deals, that tell you where everything is going to be and where you can go find it. And they were like, what is going on here? And so then I had to explain to them what Black Friday is because, you know, they don't have Thanksgiving, so why would they have Black Friday? So we explained Black Friday and what they do. And so, you know, I had to come back home uh, from, from, from Alabama, so I brought them with me. And, you know, I'm tired and I'm ready to go to bed. They went out and went Black Friday shopping just to see what the craze was about, just to see what the phenomenon was about. And uh, it, uh, I think it might have freaked them out just a little bit. But you know how it is. It's like as soon as Thanksgiving gets over, it's like rush, 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 busy, busy, busy. And we're just, I mean, we're hit with commercialism. We know it. And what I want to do, what I want to do beginning today and, and taking us all the way up through Christmas is just maybe try to take a little bit of a different approach to this time of year. Because I, I think... I think, and you tell me if I'm, I'm wrong here, I think maybe we've gotten away from it just a little bit. What do you think? I think maybe we get focused a little bit too much on stuff. I mean, we've just come off a holiday where we're supposed to be thankful, and yet that afternoon we try, I try to fi- figure out how much greedier we can become by going and buying all the stuff we don't need. I mean, that just, that just seems a little not right. So maybe there's a different approach Maybe there's a different approach that we can take to this, this time of year. Now, in your more liturgical churches, and, and, and liturgical, that's just a, you know, that's a fancy church word. It means prescribed worship, and you've heard me use that word before. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's traditional um, forms of, of worship. There's specific readings, specific sermon texts. There might be specific sim, uh, hymns uh, that are sung. But in your more liturgical churches, today begins the season known as as advent it's the beginning of the liturgical year okay and then it's after uh after the, the season of advent you have christmas then you have epiphany then you have lent then you have then you have easter and so that's what we want to talk about and that's what we want to think about for the next few weeks and so we ask ourselves well what is what is advent well, Advent comes from a, from a Latin word, the, the word Adventus. And as you see right there, it just simply means arrival. Or it means the coming. Okay? And so we think, well, okay, all right, that's, that's what it is. When is it? Well, it's right now. It is the, the season in the Christian calendar, and it lasts for about four weeks. It begins about four Sundays before Christmas, and it ends on, on Christmas Eve. And so there's some variation in its length. So... The Advent season for the, the Christian calendar this year begins today, November 27th, and it runs all the way out to December 24th. The Christmas season actually begins on like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and it lasts for 12 days, ending on January 6th. You know the song, The 12 Days of Christmas? Well, it's kind of it's tied in to that. But the time before Christmas is advent and advent is a season where we are preparing ourselves we are preparing ourselves for for christmas time the hebrews for years and years and years they looked forward to the the coming of the messiah they had heard the prophecies okay they knew that someone was coming they knew that jesus 
was eventually going to come and he was going to be the, the Savior. Now then, I don't think they fully understood what kind of Messiah was coming because I think a lot of them, they're looking for more of this, this political, this earthly kind of ruler, this earthly king who was going to come in and you know free them from the, the oppression of the Romans and he was going to kind of set himself up as, as king and he was going to rule that way. I don't think they completely grasped the kind of king he was going to be, but what they did do is they lived with a sense of anticipation. They lived with the sense that Jesus, that the Messiah was coming. And Christians, we prepare for celebrating the birth of Jesus by remembering this, this longing of the Jews for a Messiah. Okay, well, we might say, okay, well, that was, that was back then. Jesus has already come. Okay, that advent happened because he was born, you know, over, over 2,000 years ago. So why should we today continue to celebrate Advent? Or why should, we, why should we be curious about this? So what does Advent do? What does it have to do with celebrating the arrival of Jesus? Well, traditionally, Advent counts down those four weeks leading up to Christmas, like I just said. Now, it doesn't count it down in the way that we might be used to. You know, the calendar, we mark it off, and you're you know, looking forward to opening presents and all of that crazy stuff. Advent, practically, it reminds us to look forward to the return of Jesus. Okay, so it's in Advent that we're reminded of that first coming. You know, the stories that we read about in the text of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus, and Jesus is born in the manger, and, you know, we'll talk about those stories as we move throughout the month of December. That's the first Advent. But what this season does is it not only reminds us of the first coming, it also serves to remind us of the second coming. The second advent of Jesus. Okay, and it's to remind us that we should live with that sense of anticipation. The sense that, that, that Jesus is coming. It's in advent that we're reminded ourselves of how much we need a Savior. And so in this season, we keep both advents of Christ in mind. The first that took place at Bethlehem, and the second that is, is yet to come. You see, this season, this, this advent time is about resetting Jesus at the center of our lives. Because when Jesus comes, we want to be ready, do we not? We want to be ready for His return. And so this is a time when we can expect to be inspired. It's a time where we can expect to be challenged and, and refocused if our focus is not on Jesus. It's a time where we can expect to be broken if we've been caught and, and wrapped up in things that have taken our focus off of Christ. It's a time where we can be motivated and a time where we can be unified. It's a time where we can be encouraged. And most of all, it is a time where we can be expectant. Expectant Jesus is going to come it is about living with this expectation of the second advent of jesus now that i'm gonna be honest with you there are there are times in my life where i just i don't live with that expectation anybody else okay am i the only one no okay there are days in my life more than just days there are seasons in my life where i'm not completely focused on the return of jesus could be that I'm distracted by other things. 
Could be that I've got too much going on. Could be that I'm just being pulled here and there and every which way that that's the last thing on my mind. That I'm worried about this deadline. I'm worried about paying this bill. I'm worried about making whatever happen whenever it should happen. And I get pulled in so many different ways that that focus on on Jesus, that that expectation of His return just kind of gets pushed to the back. And that's what Advent does for us. It helps to to reset. It helps to refocus us on what is most important. Now then, I mean, I I think probably everybody knows this, but, you know, I mean, Jesus Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Okay, now if that's earth-shattering for you, come see me later. I'll, I'll walk you through it, and it'll be okay. Okay? Okay, Jesus was not born on December 25th, but... That's when a lot of the world will give Jesus a chance that might not otherwise do so, okay? And so it's important for us during this time to just say, okay, wait a minute, I need to pause, I need to stop, I need to look at my life, I need to reevaluate everything and see, am I unfocused on things? Am I unfocused on Jesus? Am I focused on doing my own thing and following my own agenda rather than the agenda of God, Because there are people out there that might be more willing to listen to a story about Jesus, a message of hope from Jesus during this time. So i got to make sure that I've refocused my life. I've got to make sure that I am reset. And you see, if we live with this, this sense of anticipation, if we live with the idea of knowing, okay, Jesus is coming, and I'm anticipating His return, then you know what that should do? It should raise our standards of how we live, should it not? Okay, now I'm not talking about financially, but it should raise the standards of how we treat one another, how we live in community with one another, how we talk to one another, how we act to one another. And good night. We've just come off one of the, maybe one of the worst years that I can remember as far as saying ugly things about people. Okay? So maybe this year more than ever, it is so important for us to refocus. Get the focus off of ourselves and put the focus back on Jesus where it should be. Where we live in this joyful anticipation of the return of Christ that then challenges me to live better that it calls me to a, to a higher standard of, of living. And so that's what Advent is about. Now, uh, you, you heard Tim uh, describe Advent a little while ago, and you heard him read what is just, uh, that's a typical Advent reading. The prayer that you heard him offer comes from the common book of prayer, and it is the first prayer of the Advent season that he, that he offered for us. Okay, and then he stepped up here and he, he lit that candle. Okay, and, and what this is called is it's just called an, an Advent wreath. Some people might call it an Advent crown. And it's just a, it's a, a visual element that, you know, you can, you can put out. That is just a, a visual reminder. And so that's what we're going to do this year for, for Christmas, that during our call to worship, whoever has that, you know, they're going to have some Advent readings. There'll be an Advent prayer that they offer, and they'll light that Advent candle. And each of those candles, you know, you light one a week, and they stand for, for different things. The first one 
that Tim lit, that's the, the candle that is supposed to remind us of, of hope. Okay? And, and we know what hope is, right? Hope is expectation. Right? I mean, we know what the difference between a hope and a wish is, right? I mean, <laughs> I wish... I wish I had a house in the Caribbean, okay? I mean, one day, maybe, and I'm going to move down there, and I'm going to refer to myself as pastor of the Caribbean, okay? I mean, one day, that's going to happen, okay? I wish that would happen, okay? A wish is to want something and to not expect to get it, okay? So, yeah, I wish that's going to happen. Do I expect it to happen? No, I don't, okay? But hope is different. Hope is a desire for something that you expect to happen. Okay, I hope, my hope is in Jesus. My hope is to be with my family one day in heaven. Do I expect that to happen? Yes, I do. That's more than a wish. That is something that I, I, I desire in my being. That is something that I hope for. Just as for, for, for years we struggled to have children, but we had a hope that one day we could, and we expected and we did. Hope. Hope is about expecting something. And so as we light this candle, as Tim lit this first candle that represents hope, as you think about that, it is living with the anticipation, the hope that Jesus is going to return one day. And so that's what you do. And of course, the next candle is that, you know, there's, there's the candle of peace, there's the candle of joy, there's one that represents love, and of course, the, the center candle here, this white one, is just simply known as the Christ candle, and you light this one on, on, on Christmas Eve or, or Christmas Day, and so when we gather for our, our candlelight Christmas service at, at 6 p.m., this will be the final candle that we light. It's that candle that, that focuses us, is that just reminds us even more so of, of, of Jesus. And so that's what, what Advent is, okay? Now, we're a, what you'd call a non-liturgical church, and so we don't necessarily follow a, a church calendar, and we don't use words like Advent too often. But I thought that it would be appropriate for us, especially given, like I said just a few minutes ago, given the ugliness of this election season that we've just come through, that maybe we need something to help us get re focused a different way of approaching this time leading up to christmas this time where we live with an anticipation of the return of jesus where we live with our focus being on his first coming and yet at the same time his second coming so in luke chapter 2 you have this really obscure kind of story kind of gets glossed over and it's about these two people, this, these, uh, you wouldn't call them an elderly couple because I don't, they're not a couple, but it's a couple of elderly people. And it's in this story, I think, that it illustrates for us the idea of what it means to live with the idea of a sense of anticipation. And so by this point, Jesus has already been born. Now then, we're going to cover the birth narratives. We're going to push those back until we, until we get later into the month. But I wanted to share this text with you so you could see what it looks like from Scripture to see a, a group of people who lived with this idea, this anticipation. So start reading with me in Luke 2. Uh, start, let's start at verse 25. <clears throat> 
there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. Now then, that word consolation, what that means is that he is, it means it's the hope of the Messiah. Okay, just as we talked about that first candle being hope. This guy Simeon, he's living with this hope, this hope that Jesus is coming. The Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. When the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under law, Simeon took him up in his arms and he praised God. So you have this guy, Simeon. Okay, he's righteous, he's devout. That's what Luke tells us about him. And he lives with the hope. He lives with this anticipation that Jesus is coming. And not only that, God has told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Okay, you're not going to taste death until you see Jesus. Now, tradition tells us that Simeon was about 113 years old when this took place. Anybody want to live to 113? One person wants to live to 113. I don't think I want to live to 113. That means I would die in the year 2089. Okay, that's just, that's a long way. Okay, but tradition tells us that Simeon lived till he was 113 years old. Now then, when he heard this, this word from the Lord, I don't know. But there he is every day. He is waiting with this anticipation of seeing Jesus. And so he's being guided by the Spirit. He enters the temple complex, and there's Mary and Joseph, and they're bringing Jesus there. And he sees them. And so he goes over, and he takes Jesus up in his arms. And he says, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to all the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to come and and be with you because I have seen your salvation. My faith has become sight. I have seen the Messiah. You can dismiss your servant. I'm ready to come and and, and be with you because I have seen the One who is a light of revelation to all the Gentiles. What he's saying is that salvation, it's not just for us Jews, it's for all people, including you and me. For the glory of your people. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to come home. Now, wouldn't that be a great way to live your life? To live with that anticipation? To say, okay, Lord, I am ready to come and be with you. You know, Paul had that kind of desire. Now then, watch what happens in verse 33. His mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So you have this, this episode where he has said, okay, Lord, release me. I'm ready. I've seen the Messiah. And then I just almost, I almost can just imagine him as he's handing Jesus back to Mary. He focuses in on her. He, he blesses Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And then he speaks this, this prophecy where he says, this child will be destined to cause the fall and the rise of, of many. The rise is those that have given their life to Jesus. Those who believe that He is this hope. Those that are, are, are waiting on Israel's consolation. Okay, and so because it's for the Gentiles too, that means it's for those of us as well who have given our, our, our lives to Jesus. We're part of that, that group that will be raised up. But when it says He's also going to give fall to people he's talking about those that are going to reject him those who are not going to believe he is who he says he is and the first people to fall are going to be some of his own people because remember in 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 luke chapter 19 toward the the end of the story before just before the you know jesus is arrested and all that stuff he's looking over the city and he weeps over the city because they had missed the time of their visitation. They hadn't been paying attention. They didn't believe who he was. There were many that rejected him. And so what Simeon is telling Mary is, look, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to believe in your son. But there's going to be a lot, and and he doesn't say it, but we know there's going to be even more who don't. There's going to be a lot of people who don't. And Mary a sword will pierce your own soul. This is talking about the suffering that that Mary is going to to bear through the rejection of Jesus and His death on the cross. Now then, as a a, a young mother, that's not something you want to hear. But she knows that there's something special about this child. Now then, as this is happening, the next character kind of comes out onto the stage. Look at verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. So she's on up there too. Okay, She might be, she might be about the same age as, as Simeon, or it could also read that you know she was 84 years old. But either way, she's been around a while. <clears throat> and it says that she did not leave the temple complex, serving God night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and she began to thank God and speak to Him, speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So all of those who are, are, are looking forward, who have this anticipation, those that are longing to see Jesus, Anna begins to what? She's preaching about Jesus. Do you see it? She is proclaiming that this is the one. This is the one that we've been waiting on. This is the Messiah. And He is here. Do 
This is the hope of Israel. So she interprets and she declares God's message. She is this prophetess who has just been quietly working in the temple for who knows how many years, but she's been working there every day, day and night, anticipating the coming of Jesus. And now, and now it has finally happened. And so she proclaims to all who are there that Jesus is here. That's kind of an odd story. But as I read that story, you know, Simeon's prophecy, it brings to mind a a question that all of us are going to have to answer. And it's simply this. Am I prepared to die? Am I prepared to die? Not, do I want to die, okay? I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid here. I mean, I don't want to die, not yet anyway. I mean, I don't want to live to be 113, but I want to live a little longer, you know? I mean, I want to see my children grow, you know? I want to see them get married and have families of their own and have grandkids that I can get all hyper and then send home to them, you know? I mean, I want some payback. But am I prepared to die? And that's a question that every single, every single person has to wrestle with. Now, I'm not talking about financially. Am I ready? Do I have all that stuff taken care of? And I think we should. And I think there's some responsibility for that, as you know, we've, we've talked about in here before. But am I ready? Am I like Simeon? Where I can say, oh, okay, Lord, I'm ready. If you need me, I'm ready to go. There's a guy named Fred Craddock. And he says this right here. He says, Jesus will bring truth to light. And in doing so, throw all who come into contact with him into a crisis of decision. We all have to make a decision. Am I prepared to die? The answer is, I mean, if you've given your life to Jesus, the answer is yes, I'm prepared to die. Which then brings up another question. Am I living with a sense of anticipation of His return? Do I long for His second coming? Do I long for that second advent? And So that's what I want us to focus on. For the month of December. To maybe shift our focus from all the consumerism and the commercialism and the busyness and all of those things. And be more focused on that first coming that took place so many years ago in Bethlehem. But also live in the in-between time, the time between then and the time that is coming when Jesus comes back. And then wrestling with that question, am I prepared Jesus to come back and do I live with a sense of longing do I live with a sense of anticipation of the return of the Messiah let's pray together 
Father, thank you for the day that you've given us, and thank you for loving us the way that you do. And Father, you've been so very good to us, and we are undeserving of your grace and, and love and mercy. And God, I pray that, that beginning even today, that we will live with that sense of anticipation, that we will look forward and, and, and long for that time when, when Jesus comes back. God, that means that we have to detach ourselves a little bit from the trappings of this world. God, we have to trust that what you have prepared for us is far better than anything that we have here. And so, Father, challenge us in our living. Challenge us to live in anticipation of of Jesus coming. Call us to that higher standard of living. Father, we want to be prepared when Jesus returns. It's in His name we pray, and all together we say, Amen.